Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Well, good morning. My name's Tom Gibbs. If I haven't met you, it's great to meet you. It's nice to gather here on this cold but sunny winter's morning. I love baby dedications as well. There's something really special about recognizing that we don't do faith alone, that actually the power of our prayers matter. And I know I stand here today because generations before me prayed. I know my grandmother prayed for me and I I don't remember the day I was dedicated. I'm pretty sure I was, but I do know that people were praying, which is a beautiful thing. Um, So my name's Tom Gibbs. I'm on a team here at Red uh, Church, and my role is to help build the 24-7 prayer hub at Red. For the last term, we've been running a weekly prayer meeting as well on Tuesday nights. And it's actually, it's just been wonderful. Already there's been really beautiful stories of God just activating people into their daily walk with him. Uh, And there's been a real sense of the Holy Spirit birthing something new. So I'm excited about what's happening in that space. And I'm excited because uh, there's more things to come. So stay tuned for more announcements as as they emerge. Um, But before I get carried away, let's pray. God, the reason why we've gathered here this morning is because of you. We want to hear you. We want to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would move in this space. Would you stir our hearts? Would you open our ears? And God, I just ask whatever story people are carrying this morning, would you speak into that story? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few weeks ago, Brittany spoke on how the Holy Spirit invites us to be restoried. And what is that story? Well, Ryan spoke on how the Holy Spirit breathes life into dead places. And last week, Andy spoke on how the Holy Spirit breathes life into us so that we can bring life to the world. So this morning, I want to dig a bit deeper into this theme of how the Holy Spirit restories us. So what do we mean by this idea of restoried? We are story creatures, and stories give us meaning. When I was a child, I used to strap on this thin red piece of fabric onto my back, and it gave me superpowers. There's a picture of self-portrait of me as a child, and these were superpowers you wouldn't believe. But what was happening here? I momentarily stepped out of the narrative of my daily life, and I took on a different story, the story of Superman. And when I became the key actor, of this drama, life suddenly had a greater meaning, a bigger purpose, and I had superpowers. Sure, when I kind of 
jumped off ledges, I'd graze my knee. But those grazes were more than a miscalculation. They were wounds of a warrior. And the grand narrative gave meaning to monotony. It gave purpose to my everyday life. We all live in a grand narrative of a bigger story. There's generational stories. My story didn't begin at my birth. It's a continuation of generations that have gone before me. In World War I, Matthew Cross stepped on a landmine. If his comrade hadn't heard the groans and fetched a stretcher bearer, then Matthew, my great-grandfather, wouldn't have survived to raise four children, and I wouldn't be here today. And it's the unlikely providences of these stories that form us. By these stories, we become story makers today. There's national stories. Recently, we had Reconciliation Week, and core to this week is the recognition that the national story of Australia didn't begin in 1770 when Captain Cook landed his boat in Botany Bay. But for thousands of years, Indigenous people lived in this land. And here, the Wurundjeri people lived, they played, they worked, and they told stories that were passed down through generations. And what did these stories do? They formed culture. Stories go beyond the individual, and they give us meaning. Recently at Red, we've launched 24-7 Prayer, and we inherited a story that started before us, and it's the story of a global movement of prayer. And as we've been entrusted to lead this movement in Australia, we get to be players, actors of this grand narrative that goes beyond us. We didn't start the story, but we get to participate in it. So what's the commonality of these stories? Well, they inspire us. I'm inspired by my legless grandfather, but beyond this, they give us meaning. As the grand narrative of my family, my workplace, my nation intersects, I encounter something of who I am. They give me a sense of identity, and purpose. But ultimately, these stories, they give all of us direction. Stories are forward-moving. They help us understand the past and where we are going. They give us a purpose and they have a destination. And history is forward-moving and we get to continue the stories that have gone before us but they're stories towards something. But I want to ask you the question this morning. What happens when our cultural story has an unclear destination? Our stories have tension and resolution. But what happens when there's no sense of a resolution in sight? Like music, 
Tension in a story anticipates a resolution, but there's nothing worse, and I don't know if you've experienced being at a party or something, and the DJ just stops that song before it builds up, before it reaches its resolution. There's been a shaking in our world, and tension has continued to build. It's like the song has stopped for a moment, making our futures appear less certain. And it's like the grand story has been cut short. There's economic uncertainty, political uncertainty, sickness, burnout, exhaustion, and the list continues. And we've been tossed around in the turbulence of a story that seemingly has no clear sense of a destination. As we read the news, we have to ask, where is all of this going? So this morning, I want to open our Bibles, and we're going to learn from ancient wisdom, and we're going to look back so we can be orientated to look forward. If you have your Bibles, open with me to Isaiah 43 this morning. But before we open Isaiah 43, I want to give a bit of context. The first half of our Bible, the Old Testament, is a narrative story of the Israelites. The Israelites were God's chosen people and they had a calling. They had a purpose to be a blessing to the nations. And they had a destination to be a dwelling place of God. But Isaiah opens with a problem. Isaiah 1 verse 2 says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. It's tragic. The first line, they have rebelled against me. Israel rebelled against God's story, and they chose to write their own narrative. And as we read through Isaiah, he describes Israel as her leaders, and her leaders as hypocritical, greedy, self-indulgent, and cynical. And what happens? Because they rebelled from God, they faced the consequences of exile in a foreign land. They were displaced from the presence of God. So Isaiah prophesies to an audience who are in exile under foreign captivity in a foreign land. And what's the significance of this? Exile means it's the end of the narrative of Israel. Their narrative, their story, was cut short. There are people with a promised land. Well, they were promised a land, but they were without a land. They were a people to house the presence of God, but they were without the temple. They were a people called to be a holy nation and they'd become just like the nations. But they have rebelled against me, says the Lord. Israel was tossed around 
in the turbulence of a story that had no clear sense of a destination, no resolution. And in the middle of this narrative, the promises of God seemed void. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe Israel had it wrong. They'd reached a dead end. But at that dead end, we come to the passage for this morning. Isaiah 43, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. I am the one who will make a way where there's a dead end, is what the Lord's saying. And this is what the Lord says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I have provided water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. My first point this morning is this. When Israel was at a dead end, God promised them a new story. God told them, forget the former things. Break away from the narratives of your past. Don't stay stuck in the trauma and stress of Israel's rebellion. Why? God is doing a new thing. That new thing is going to achieve the promises of God. That new thing is going to restore Israel, restore the meaning and the purpose and their destination. So what is the new story that God is going to write over Israel? If we jump forward to Isaiah 44, verse 1 to 5, it says, But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the wound, who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jeshurun, who I have chosen. I want to put this in bold. Do not be afraid. God is about to speak, but before the word of God is a command to let go of the narrative of fear, for this is what the Lord says. And we'll continue. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 
They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. Others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. Still others will write on their hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. My second point is this. The Spirit was sent to narrate a new story over God's people. Israel had rebelled against God. They rejected his presence, and so his presence had departed from the temple. So this message in the middle of exile is a radical message of hope. I will pour my spirit on your offspring. And what has the spirit come to do? The Israelites were living under the curse of rebellion, but the Spirit was sent. Why? To write a new narrative over Israel. Verse 3, to exchange a story of curses for a narrative of blessing. Verse 4, by the Spirit, God's people could be like a tree planted by the water. And this is a hyperlink, as we see all throughout Scripture is a hyperlink to Psalm 1 imagery. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, and, is, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. All he does, he prospers. But verse 5 tops it all. And my third point is this. God's new narrative wasn't just for Israel, but it was for the entire world. Verse 5 says this, some will say I belong to the Lord, others will call themselves by the name of Jacob, still others will write on their hand the Lord's and will take the name Israel. It gives us the promise that those outside Israel, like you and me, would write on their hands the Lord's and take the name Israel, which means you can be grafted into the story of God. You can receive the promises of Israel and the inheritance of the nation of Israel is your inheritance too. So what is that inheritance? It's the presence of God. Is that through Jesus, we can become God's people, sons and daughters of God. A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Pentecost. And when the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, what was the first thing that happened? The Spirit enabled the Israelites to speak foreign languages. We often get hung up on how supernatural this is, but what actually happened here, by the Spirit, foreign nations could hear the new narrative in their own tongue and be grafted into God's story. This is good news. It's good news for you and it's good news for me. God wants to give you a new story. He wants to restory you so you can inherit the story of Israel. But this isn't just a spiritual pep talk or self-help 
hype so you can put your Superman cape on and feel good about yourself. This is a call to come back to reality. What is God's story, his individual story over your life? God is already narrating a story over your life. Will you listen to it? In our cultural crisis, there are competing stories, and maybe like the Israelites, you've been tricked into thinking that you're at a dead end. Maybe you've taken on this narrative of fear. Do not be afraid, my servant, the one whom I've chosen, says Isaiah. As Timothy says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, sound mind. And he's inviting you into this story. Maybe you've inherited other false scripts that are narrating a story over your life. God wants to give you his story. But this isn't just an individual thing. This is a corporate story. God is forming a church of hope. And God's story isn't just for us. It's an opportunity to restory our world. When we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, we get to participate in ushering in a new narrative. Prayer is narrative warfare. I want to tell you the story of Brian. I've called him Brian for this moment, but when I was 18, I moved to Melbourne from Adelaide to volunteer in a church community that had lots of people who were homeless. And I'll never forget Brian. Brian was a 27-year-old man with a passion for life, but he had a story of brokenness. He was neglected as a kid. He dropped out of school and he couldn't cope with life. His family was abusive and Brian started sleeping on his friend's couches. He bounced from place to place until he exhausted his friendships. And when I met Brian, 27-year-old man, He had long, matted hair, a wiry moustache, and he was drinking four litres of port a day. And he had a terrible addiction to heroin. But my friends and I really liked Brian. So we just wanted to spend time with him. We took him out fishing. We actually went fishing to the Yarra River at the Docklands, and the only thing we caught was trash, and Brian caught an eel that kind of snapped off his line. That was it. So failing that, we went to McDonald's and we, we kind of enjoyed it, so we went back a few times. But I'll never forget the moment, the day where I saw Brian walking by and all of a sudden he was cleanly shaven and he was looking healthy. And I asked Brian, what happened? And he said to me, I've cleaned myself up. And I said, obviously. <laughs> like, um, but he said, no, you don't understand. I quit heroin. And I asked him, well, how? 
And Brian said to me, I've tried everything. I've tried the methadone program. I've, I've tried doing a whole lot of counseling and I have not been able to get off heroin. But this last week, I managed to quit heroin cold turkey. And I asked Brian, what happened? And I kid you not, he looked at me and he said, for the first time, I felt loved. As we allow the Spirit to restory us, we can bring a story of hope to the world. And in that story, fishing at McDonald's wasn't the agent of transformation. I wasn't the agent of transformation. But Brian tasted the Spirit of God in community. And in the monotony of daily life, he brushed shoulders with a spirit-filled community and he was restored and restoried. The vision of Red is to be a church of passionate, committed disciples devoted to Christ's alternative for the world. And what if God wants to use us to restory our families? our housemates, our workplaces, so they don't have to swallow the lie that we have reached a dead end. God wants to restore you so that you can be an agent of restoring the world. As worship come up, why don't you all stand up with me and let's pray. Actually, I want to read a prayer that was written by someone in Tuesday night prayer recently. And it's totally on theme. <laughs> um, it's about God restoring. It's about the newness that he wants to give us. And it says this. The newness springs forth where the old things are left to lie and die. True eternal life flows where death was. All idols, mute and deaf, will be shown up for what they truly are. Fountains flow in the desert, springs birth from stones, fallen seed finds soil, a garden is birthed in the wilderness. The spirit flows forth from the holy heavens and brings life in the dead places and spaces. Let the new spring up from where we have died to ourselves, where the cross rules and the Holy Spirit hovers, and where newness is birthed. May we not be afraid. Holy Spirit, do your new thing. We just pray this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are restoring us. You've been doing it for thousands of years and you continue to do it today. And so we just pray this morning. Holy Spirit, do your new thing. Amen. Amen.